All right, so I just want to welcome everyone in the house. Yay. And those online, yay. And those who will watch later on YouTube, double yay. And who will listen on podcasts, yay, yay. We appreciate all of you. It's a great day in West Michigan. It has a hint of fall in it, but I refuse to surrender to that. I'm still wearing my happy shirts. So, sheesh, that one just came back. <laughs> Anyway, uh, we just finished up a, a worship set, and so I'm just asking for comments. Should have stirred something somewhere deep someplace. Greg said it was good. What was good about it? I think a lot of it just, it became between me and God relationship. Good. Good. Kept that relationship level. That's good. Anybody else? When we are faithless, he is faithful. Yeah. We don't have to rely on our faith. We can rely on his faith. Isn't that a comforting thought? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> when I'm having a bad day, he's not, which is great. Anyone else? Online or otherwise? All right. Linda, you got something? It's just that he never stops loving us. Yeah. We may not feel it, but he never stops loving us. Yeah. Yeah. We are so valuable. Well, for those who are watching later or listening later, there will be a link uh, you can find on whatever platform you're accessing. So you can listen to that as well. And I encourage you to do so. Those are Somewhat different artists have been into picking different artists lately, and we can we can question some things theologically because there's no perfect grace songs out there yet, but we're getting close. And I forgot to add to this, you know, as I said before we started, we're on a we're on a discussion for a while or a season of our journey into wholeness, and it's, I should have put also, and that's through holistic grace. And we'll expand on all of that. But we're on this road right now of grace. Our whole path is grace. And, and I want to explore that deeply in a couple of weeks from now. But as we said last week, our journey starts with a one step. Every, you know, the journey of a thousand miles starts with one step. And so we take a step on this road of grace and we take another step. And as we're moving down that road of grace, God is doing a lot of revelation for us, a lot of revealing, a lot of identity affirmation going on. And part of what's also going on is we're stripping old thought patterns. And as I was prepping for today, I just I came back to there's the Eastern Orthodox and Celtic perspective of God, and then there's the Western evangelical perspective, and depending on where you fall, you get some really divergent thoughts about who you are, and the Western evangelical has been heavily influenced by lawyers. Wow, I didn't even get a gasp. 
Augustine. Oh, I, I enjoyed it. Thank you. <laughs> Augustine was a lawyer. Calvin and Luther were lawyers. Even though Luther was a priest, he was a lawyer by training. And so they have this judicial, Western Evangelical has this judicial viewpoint. Anselm came around around 1000 AD and said, you know, we've offended God and therefore the punishment is in order and suddenly eternal conscious torment takes on steroids. And that whole perspective, many of us grew up in and we're going to visit that again in a few weeks, but the Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox Celtic perspective is we fell into darkness that darkness led to a distorted mindset that needed healing. Not punishment, healing. Whereas the judicial viewpoint is about punishment, the way it developed over the centuries. That really is the perspective of Christianity coming down the centuries. You've got two lines of thought that separated, the, the, the lines of thought separated around the fourth century where there was just a beginning of a schism. This Eastern Orthodox Celtic perspective, they claim their roots back to the apostles. Western Evangelical claim their roots back to the apostles. What's a person to do? Who's right? Who's wrong? The only answer to that is let God teach us. Let God show us. And so that's the road we're on right now. And we started last week in our journey. We talked about a lot of different things, but I want to just kind of summarize and add a few things because at one point we got we diverged last week, or not diverged, we sidetracked. That's not even right. Rabbit trail into a great discussion about that Greg and, and Stuart uh, kind of steered. But, you know, and that discussion was about does God, when he creates, have to replenish his energy, so to speak? And that's just sort of my summary of it. And we got into a lot of discussion about God and his energy. And I want to revisit that again in a week or two. But right now we're starting out with. Our first step is, who is God? And I want to talk about, I want to limit discussion today to who is God, not how God relates to man, per se, but who is God. And we started out last week with, God defines himself as agape love. In the tradition that I'm in right now, and I'm more Eastern Celtic than I am Western, or evangelical, but agape love is, we know, it is outward focused. It is a verb, not a noun. What do I mean by that? What's a verb? Action. Action. God is always action, and that love is outward flowing, and it comes to us because of his very nature. How do I know that? First John 4, verses... Uh, let me write, let me tell you the exact verses. First John 4, verses 8 and verse 16. 
And so this, who is God? We, we talked about last week, you know, God is a Trinity. God is Trinity. And they're actually, I was listening to William Paul Young this week, he says he prefers the, the term Trinity over the term God because the term God is like limiting. When you say God, it's like you're putting parameters around God because you can, you can say, oh, that's the Father, oh, that's the Son. But the reality is in Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit are indistinguishable. The Father is in, this, is, is in union and oneness with the Son and then with the Spirit, and the Spirit is in union and oneness with the Father and the Son. The Son is in union and oneness with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And so they're interrelated, interconnected, but they never lose their own sense of identity. But they function as one. And then it's that functioning that, that's one that creates the agape love. The nature of God is agape love, and everything God does, everything God says, filters through love. Now, over here, in the Western evangelical side of it, love is a facet of God, just as judgment is a facet of God. Just as healing is a facet of God. So love is co-equal with other aspects of God. But back over here, in a Trinitarian perspective, love is God. God is love. And everything else flows out of that. So in the Western evangelical perspective, you can have a lot of judgment. It's not tempered by love. Over here, when we say God is a judge, it's through love, and when he looks at you, he judges you how? Very good. What else? When God judges righteous. Righteous. Do you earn that? Do you earn righteousness? You are that. You are that. That's see, that's that's the difference between love being a single overall essence of God versus a characteristic of God, if it's the overall essence of God, you don't have to earn anything. It is. But if it's a, if it's something other than that, then you have to earn it. That's, that's what I was taught when I was younger in the evangelical circles. I had to earn good standing with God. And I burned out. And I'm not sorry I left that concept. Let's put it that way. So God is in, in this ontological state, the essence of his being is love. That's truth. The ontology of God, ontology means truth of our nature. The ontology of God is he is that God is love. Trinity is love, uncompromising, unconditional. What else could you say about the love of God in that context. Talk to me. Eternal. Eternal. Yes. God is eternal. And does that suggest anything about his love? Does it change? Does it go away? Does it diminish? Or is it the same? Always. God's love is eternal, right? Does it stay eternal forever? Yeah. Yeah. It does. 
God was love before creation. God is love in creation. God is love after creation. Doesn't change. Now, we had that discussion last week about does it diminish and have to be replenished or not? And I, and I tell you, it was a fascinating discussion when I went back to listen to it because that's part of our journey is asking questions and letting God process it. Sometimes we process collectively together. And that's important because I wasn't allowed to ask tough questions when I was in an evangelical church. I wasn't. And so I'd walk around with all these questions and didn't quite know how to figure them out. And the more questions I got and the less answers I got, the more disillusioned I got. So God likes us to ask questions. And one of the one of the words that God or that Baxter Kruger has in the church after a couple hundred years, perichoresis. Baxter, and many of you know Baxter Kruger. How, do, how does Baxter define perichoresis? Okay. I'll give you a No, I've never heard that word. A dance. A dance. It's, a, it's the great dance. Linda, you said something. I missed it. What did you say? I said I have no idea because I'd never heard that word before. Okay. Well, you heard it today. It's called perichoresis. About 300 AD was the word they began to use to describe the, the Trinity of God. It's, it's, it's a flow. It's an energy. It's like a dance. Yeah. And the beauty of it is, is this love includes us in the great dance. I grew up in a church where dancing was forbidden. You couldn't dance because it would lead to immorality. Wow. And yet here God calls us into the dance with him. Tilt. Tilt. <laughs> and so this, this unconditional love of God invites us into a, a union and a oneness and a dance that is so, so sweet. You can close your eyes and just imagine being in a circle dance. Ever, anybody ever see Fiddler on the Roof? With, was it Tevia was the actor? And the dance, you know, the, the Jewish people love to dance in circles. And it's like watching that was fascinating. We live in that state of being. We live in the dance with the pop, with Papa, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. It's beautiful. It's life giving. But over here, when I grew up in the Western evangelical side of things, that wasn't even on my radar screen because I was too busy trying to manage my behaviors. When I when I tried it all, it was 15 years where I just said fooey and didn't even try. But during that time, this agape love was still moving outward towards me. So besides God being Trinity and God being love and eternal, and by the way, you, you know, scripture on God being eternal is Romans 
623. And back up here, God being love is 1 John 4, 6, and 16. I'm sorry, 8 and 16. God also is what? Talk to me. What else is he? God's essence is love. But when we describe God, we describe God as spirit, right? That's what God says is God is spirit. That's John 4, 24. Now I'm going to hit you with a mind-blowing question here in a moment. What does it mean for God to be spirit? What does that mean? Breath. Breath. You know, I, I'm going to say that it's energy. Okay. And and yet, that, that, okay, that's just like totally a, it's almost a blank, a blank statement that doesn't say anything. It's like, okay, God is energy. If you look at this as electricity, electricity goes forth and it powers things, it makes things move. But I'm not sure I really even understand God's energy. Yeah. Other than that's it. I, I think, love energy. Yeah, I think those are things that we're still exploring. You know, yeah, we have the privilege to explore that, the, the opportunity to explore that. But when it says God is spirit, it means non-physical as well. Means non-physical, omniscient, omniscient, omnipresent. There's another one. The three O's. My mind went blank. Okay. Somebody help him out. Because I had it before we started, and my mind just went blank on it, too. <laughs> Great minds work like, or don't work like. <laughs> he's, he's ever present, all knowing. And he can do that because of his spirit. But now I'm going to throw, throw a monkey wrench question. Is God also physical? Yes. Explain. He's Jesus. He's Jesus. And where is where is Jesus today? The right hand of the Father. The right hand of the Father. In what form? Human. Human, physical form. Tilt. <laughs> I mean, that hit me this morning. Holy Spirit said, well, yeah, I'm spirit, but... Is Trinity not also physical? Yeah. How else can Jesus, how else can the Trinity understand us, our emotions, our pains, our sufferings, our sorrows? How can you be the Alpha and the Omega? How can you be the Alpha and the Omega? Yeah, how can you be that? We talked about Alpha and Omega last week, where God is the Alpha and the Omega, but since God always has been and always will be, Alpha, beginning, Omega, end, has to refer to something other than the, the beginning of God and the end of God. And we talked last week about it's the beginning of creation and the end of creation. And how else can you understand Alpha and Omega? So, in God's Love for us in his essence as, as Trinity. You know, you heard I am 
that I am, what God said to Moses. Actually, the more accurate or better translation is, I am, so I am. So I am means I am, so I am, and nothing can change that. Ah, now we get to another word, another phrase. Is God changeable? Immutable. He's immutable. Does he ever change? Does the scripture say God changes? And we're talking essence now, not necessarily manifestation. In his essence, he never changes. So I can rely on the the God who says, I'm part of the perichoritic circle. I can rely on that God because he, the Trinity, I see it's so hard to talk about God, you know, Trinity, he, I mean, we're, we're, I'm trained in these, these words of he and him and his. But the essence of God never changes. So when I when I'm having a bad day, I, he can God can have a great day and pull me into his great day. Even in a, when I'm having a bad day, because God always has great days. That's the first song in the worship. Yeah. You were always faithful. Always faithful. Always faithful. So the essence of God, and see wholeness, when we talk about wholeness. Wholeness is when the nature matches the actions. So does God's actions always match the nature of his love? It has to. We don't always, but God always does. Otherwise, we can't rely on God. If his actions are contrary to his nature, can I trust that God? It becomes difficult. But if the Trinity is always love, always in action on our behalf, pouring out, creating, drawing us in, however love manifests in action, that is something I can always trust because it's always good. The love of God is always good. How do I know that? Psalm 73, 1 and 1 Timothy 4, 4. God is good. If God is good, and he says we are very good on top of that, what can I get from that? Not a rhetorical question. I'm looking for feedback. If God is good and he says we're very good, what does that mean for us? Assurance of salvation. Assurance, yeah. Assurance of salvation. Here, under the Eastern Orthodox Celtic view, it's an assurance that the darkness, the veil of darkness is ripped apart and we can see clearly. That we don't change, only our conscience. Our essence, our nature doesn't change, but sometimes our our ways of expressing it change, right? You're right. Yeah, yeah. And so if God is good and he says we're good, we're very good, and my ways are not matching up with my nature of goodness, then his love is going to do what? Move my, my actions to line up with my nature. Want to change the world? Teach people who they truly are and how God impacts them in that in that truth, and watch behaviors change. Any this is a, this is a question I, I'll answer, but anybody else can. 
when you when I began to understand the true nature of God, I had more change in my ways to line up with that than I did in 30 plus years over here trying to get my behaviors fixed. Behavior modification, how many of you know what behavior modification is? A guy named Pavlov out of Russia did a lot of experiments using animals, behavior modification. And so they would they would use treats and things uh, and, and to get the dogs to change the be from behavior over here to over here. And they would do it in such a way that the dogs would start to salivate and, and they would stimulate all kinds of things. But they changed the behavior by going over here. But when you took the rewards away, what often happened? Behavior reverted back. And so God doesn't treat us that way. God says you're good, but I'm going to change your mindsets. I'm going to change your the darkness and distorted view so that your behavior, your actions, your ways line back up with who you truly are. And do you realize when you when those things begin to line up, you find peace? What's it like to live in peace? This only works if you guys interact, by the way. What's it like to live in peace? Useful. Use a different word. Lack of conflict. Lack of conflict? Okay. It brings the joy. Brings joy. Calm and assurance. Calm and assurance. Effortless. Comforting. Comforting. Relax. Say that again, you broke up. Relaxed. Relaxed. Wow. Stress-free. Stress-free, yeah. I'm thinking Tony the Tiger. Tony the Tiger? It's great. Cool. It right. <laughs> That's good, Gerald. That's good. How many of you want to, how many of you want to see peace more often in your life than not? I do. And sometimes I get pulled out of that, especially if I'm tired or I swallow one too many hand grenades thrown at me. I haven't thrown any. I know, you've been good today. <laughs> but the beauty of it is, is because God is God in his in his love is also peace, right? Isn't God peace? What's the kingdom? Righteousness, peace, and joy. So God's got joy too, right? Yeah. How can God have joy? Look at look at look at the earth. Look at the earth. Look at what he created. How can he be in joy? Beginning and the end. Yeah, well, he knows the beginning and the end, but he also sees Jesus in all of us. So he's not bothered by. The behaviors in the world, he looks and sees Jesus. So he sees he sees people whose nature is not lining up per se yet with all with behaviors or behaviors are not lining up, their ways are not lining up with their nature. And so it's Jesus is in there changing all of that. And not only is God good, but 
So let me go to Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearing kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Ah. The Holy Spirit's fruit, which means the essence of the Holy Spirit includes... The manifestation of all of those things, right? Say them again slowly, Daryl. Spirit and love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Then you go into greatness, gentleness, self-control. Wow. That's all part of who God is. That's all part of the manifestation of love. Ever, anybody ever lived through the days when you strive to, to live up to those? Yeah. Oh, man. Need more pay? Don't pray for patience because things are going to blow up. Ever heard that? <laughs> I heard that a lot. Don't pray for patience. But wait a minute. Holy Spirit says patience is part of what, what he's given to us. All of those, all of those things are in us, Carol. So back in my evangelical days, I would read that scripture, and I would just feel so guilty because yeah. it's like, oh my gosh, I cannot measure up to this. I did, and just you know, you would feel so guilty, so you'd go somewhere and read something else. And <laughs> but then I heard somebody say, "Oh, that's not describing us; that's describing God." And then I was like, "Oh, shoot!" And then. But now it's like, oh no, it's describing us as well. It's not a command no. that we be these things. This is a revelation of who we are and what you know. Yeah, sure. That this is who we are. This is who God is. This is who we are. It's so when I instead of praying for patience, then I might go into a gratefulness of yeah. okay, I'm grateful I have all the patience I need right now. You go into a recognition, I got it. Yeah. There. It's a fruit, so it's just abiding in his love. Yeah. Yeah. Fruit the, doesn't strive. The fruit of waking up from a distorted mindset in the darkness that pervaded man from the from the choices of Adam, we get to the point where we recognize that's fruit even in our life because it, it's sourced in Trinity in our life. Do you do you at at the essence of who you are lack anything at your very nature? Do you lack anything? No. Why? Because we're in union and oneness. I may still be trying to dig out some understanding of it, but that's the journey I'm on. It's a journey. It's not condemnation. It's a journey, and I get to have fun on my journey. But in the Western evangelical view of things you have a god that dispenses that if you do this and if yeah. you do that or if you don't do this yeah. and he withholds that from you yeah well the difference and you, you're striving and you can never make it over here on the western evangelical side you lack those things you have to somehow obtain them and oftentimes you have to work to obtain them well the judge gives them from his bench yeah yeah 
the judge the judge gives them from the bench. Over here, it's part of who you are. It's awakening to it. And, and that's been freedom for me to realize. I mean, when I was growing up, the only viewpoint was the Western evangelical viewpoint, and I couldn't do it. I told you before, when I hit 20, I walked away. And sometimes I ran faster than I could walk. And you fell down. Yeah. But when but in the last 10 years, realizing there's another holistic viewpoint. And what do I mean by holistic? What let's take holistic medicine, for example. What's holistic medicine? It covers the whole spectrum. Body and spirit. Yes, it covers the whole spectrum. Body, soul, spirit, everything we are. It, it's an integrated approach. And yet we have functional medicine out there that doesn't integrate some of that. And that's what happens in, in the Western evangelical church. It's like there's segments of holistic components that are just ignored. And it becomes all about certain behaviors. I wanted to find something here. But here we go. The holistic is an adjective that modifies whatever it's connected to. So holistic medicine is a broad picture. Holistic grace is a broad picture. It's a modification of grace that, that is about um, fulfilling a complete uh, and total understanding of what that adjective modifies. And so we're going to talk about grace in a few weeks, but let me kind of just give you this. There is, we, we have this essence of understanding of our interconnectedness with Trinity and that we do not exist apart from the oneness of the Trinity, the love of the Trinity. So holistic grace, grace is the manifestation in, of, in Jesus pouring out that love on all of us. And the holistic side of that is that love changes and modifies every part of us. And so we have this road of grace that we're on that, if, that leads us to wholeness. And again, wholeness is when, well, I know who I am and my actions begin to line up with who I am. When you don't know who you are, your actions are going to be all over the board because you're trying to find out who you are. You know, there's that infamous phrase, looking for love in all the wrong places. It's true. When you don't know who you are, there's something inside of you that says, I know there's something in there. I don't know what it is. And so I'm going to start searching. And sometimes I even start suppressing the, the, the desire to search because I self-medicate. Because sometimes it's easier to self-medicate than, than let that gnawing sense or that ache in your heart lead you to search. But, the, but when I know that God created me and I know he says I'm very good, and when I sense that my my actions are not quite lining up with that, then instead of searching for love in all the wrong places, I can go to the Holy Spirit and say, well, why do I feel this way? What's gnawing at me? 
and it'll be and it's an amazing journey. But there's other aspects of God too. We know that out of love, God is a creator. Out of agape love is creative in nature. And all you gotta do is look in the mirror and go, isn't he a great creator? When's the last time you stood in the mirror in front of the mirror and went, isn't he a great creator? 23 years ago. <laughs> I would encourage you to go home and stand in front of the mirror and go, he's a great creator. He's got a sense of humor, doesn't he? Hey, you do. That's different than his. I used to walk around going, God, why did you create me? I think you messed up. And I'd look in the mirror and I'd go, yuck. And then one day someone said, you know, God called you a marvelous hunk of dust. And that began the process of being able to look in the mirror and go, yeah. Because they no longer judge by the appearance, they judge by the heart. We are our own worst enemies. So I would encourage you to learn to stand in front of the mirror and go, God, you're really good. You're a great creator. Thanks for creating me. Woo! So let's check in a minute. Because I wanted to pull back a few things from last week. Because last week was good and, and, and very interactive. But I want to make sure as we go forward in our outline that everybody understands God is for us and not against us. Out of his agape love, he pours out everything that we need for life and godliness. Which means you can stand in front of the mirror and go, yay God. Because that's something we need for life and godliness. That's accepting who he says we are. Accepting ourselves as created beings. Accepting ourselves as fully, fully capable of perceiving his love and his goodness. Who says you can't perceive his love? Who says you can't perceive his goodness? That was part of the message. What's that? It was judgment. Yeah. You can't you can't perceive who you are if you're constantly judging yourself and finding yourself lacking. That's a good point, Linda. Every time I judge myself harshly and as anything other than God says I am, I'm actually not matching up my behavior, my ways with with my true identity. That causes conflict. Internal conflict. What do we call internal conflicts if they become destructive? Bad behavior. Say that again? Bad behavior. Bad behavior? They call it something different than that. If you've got internal conflict, if you've got internal conflict going on that's undercutting your identity, that's going to create mental health issues. I was going to say depression, but you covered it with mental health issues. Yeah. But I, I also want to, you know, when you judge and it doesn't matter whether you judge people or inanimate objects or even God, when you judge, you set parameters. Yeah. And if you go back to I am, so I am, you can't really put parameters on that. And I think that's very specific language from God 
to tell us not to put parameters on him. God is love. There really is no parameters in that. And that's one of the things that I found when we when we judge things and I'm looking at a tree and even judging at a tree, I have to accept it as a tree, enjoy it as a tree, but I'm not going to apply a value judgment, whether it's a good tree or a bad tree. I'm just going to leave it as a tree because I don't want to set parameters. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And God is relational. Newsflash. He wants to hang out with you. He wants you to hang out with him. Not not be unconsciously aware. Well, I can't be unconsciously aware. Not be unconscious to awareness, but to be aware. Because what's John 17 3 say? Someone look up John 17 3. Now, this is the eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Ah, know you. God says eternal life is we, we get to know him. Can you do that now? Can you know him in this moment, in the now? Absolutely, yes. He wants to hang out with you. He's not looking for anything in return. Just hang with him. You can't add to God, except you can enhance, his, in a sense, the joy of God as you're hanging with him. Because that's eternal life. It starts, it's in the now. Our eternal life is in the now. It's relational. Anybody ever had days when you were just so afraid of God that you ran? Mm -hmm. Why? Because I was taught he was the God of the lightning bolt. Run, forest, run. Run fast. Run far. I did that. Duh. Come on now. Y'all are staring at me. It's a shirt. It's a shirt. And so this love, this this desire for relationship, it's this love is gonna. Using, using a biblical phrase, God's a consuming fire. It's going to consume not our identity, not who you know we were created to be, but it's going to consume anything that gets in the way of relationship. Yeah, anything that gets away in a relationship, God's going to remove. Oh, wait a minute. You mean I don't have to do that? No. He's a consuming fire. He's going to see. look at the things in our lives that are inf interfering with the fullness of our understanding of relationship, our eternal life now, and he's going to go, I'm going to burn that up. I'm going to get rid of that. I'm going to open your eyes to a new perspective. It's a refiner's fire. Refiner's fire, you could call it that, yeah. You see... 
Can I share a short writing idea? Absolutely. Please. Sin is mistaken identity. All evil comes from it. Forgiveness of sin is seeing, seeing someone's and self's true identity made in the image and likeness of God that is love. God judges us righteous, seeing us for who we really are. His consuming fire will burn away our sins, mistaken identities, and it will hurt like hell because we've been clinging to them all our lives. And it will feel like we are losing ourselves only to find ourselves the mm -hmm. pure gold that we are. Mm -hmm. But if we fight the process, it will prolong the experience and it will be like tormented, tormented with gnashing of teeth. So Papa, start consuming us with your fire now mm -hmm. so we can let go of our mistaken identities. Mm -hmm. That's not that related to that. That's good. We fight it, it feels like hell on earth. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and over here, hell has a very ugly concept, very tormenting. Over here, it's the distorted things that keeps us from seeing the truth and that causes pain in our lives. So, wow! Tell me, guys, what are you getting so far? Because this, I wanted to back up because this is kind of foundational things, and we'll move forward from here next week. Let me do it this way. Socratically speaking, Stuart, what are you getting so far? Well, let's see. I'm getting the I'm getting a really a deeper understanding in my my focus is getting larger and clearer on God's love. And I'm I'm getting my position supported about we have to return to the mindset of the garden where God came and walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. And we've really, really lost that relationship factor. And, and, and I say relationship, not a employer-employee, not a master-slave, a friend relationship. Jesus, Jesus doesn't want you to come to work for him. He wants you to go out for lunch with him. Good. Good. Break bread together. Yeah. Hebraic and, culture. You know, and it's so simple. Yeah. I'm in sorry. The, in the Hebraic culture, breaking to get bread together was a form of intimacy. Yeah. And we've we've gotten this. I mean, I hear people, I want to serve God. I want to serve God. And it's like, what if God just wants to sit down and, and say, okay, you're my child. I just want to love you. I want to spend time with you. I want to enjoy you. And that's really what we do with our with kids. We want to enjoy them. We want to enjoy them for who they are and what they are. We don't have kids to make slaves out of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's such it's such a foundational thing. And yet I really think that as as a church, we've lost that. You know, we we want to you know find out okay where's the worst thing i could do oh the worst thing i could do is serve god as a missionary in africa that must be my call when really if you sat down and you said what's the best thing that i want to do that's where he is mm -hmm. that's what's been put in your heart and that's what we need to pursue is what our dreams are mm -hmm. and what we can sink our teeth into so to speak so that our work well, then we go back into the verse that my yoke is easy and my burden is light because 
there's certain people, for instance, myself, I really enjoy splitting wood. And there's people that would sit there and moan and groan, oh, I got to go split that wood and I'll be the first one out there doing it because it's something that I enjoy. Therefore, his burden is light and his yoke is easy. Good. Let's hear from our resident Canadian sage. Um, I got kind of stuck on on the point of holistic. Okay. And um, holistic speaking of almost like the body of Christ, where it's all um, kind of like individual parts, but yet we're all interconnected only by referring to the whole or the of, to God himself as everybody as being the whole, like a base of oneness of everybody connected to that oneness and which creates a, a flow, a balance, um, harmony, vitality, and all of that is going to create restoration. Mm-hmm. So holistic is really a unity of who we are and, and the combining of who we are as one and that if we're not if you're you're not united you're divided and then we will fall but god is is on a restoration process at this point like things are really changing and moving and i think a lot all of us here have a sense of that and um very powerful and i love that that's that's the leaning that you're going through it's totally fascinating i love it good good linda how about you the thing that keeps coming to my mind is if we operate in forbearance with one another, that means that we're not trying to control one another. And that takes the responsibility for other people's behavior off of, we got to fix it. Well, it's not our responsibility to fix it. Mm-hmm. Our, our goal is to just show the light because we're in unity with one another, so we don't try to control them. And the church as a whole has tried to control us as parishioners, if you will. Yeah, the beauty of what you just said, Linda, is I can just trust him to fix things. Yeah. I don't have to fix it. Yeah. I just enjoy the relationship. That's good. All right. Anyone in the room? Anyone on this side got anything you want to add? So one of my favorite quotes for a long time has been, the heart cannot love what the mind does not know. Uh And it's quote by Jen Wilkerson. And so I've always like focused that a lot on like my relationship and like with God. And, you know, I feel like the times that I felt really close are the times when I'm actually trying to spend time with him and get to know him. But today I'm thinking about it in a different way than I've ever thought about it before, about how I can't love myself also without thinking about that true identity. Mm. So when I am thinking about myself as I am love, I am joy, I am peace, I am patience. Mm. Like Mm. if you're looking at yourself like that, I can love myself in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. And what can that lead to then? living out those things, right? Feeling, actually feeling that way about myself and about others and living closer 
becoming closer to that wholeness, right? The journey. Yes, yes, exactly. Wow. That was church right there. <laughs> that was really good. Thank you. Derek, you got anything you want to add? Ladies, you got anything you want to add? No? Okay. Coming over here, Mr. Bishop, honorarily speaking. Not right now. Okay. Girl. I only had one son, but he had all of us children. And he loves us all, no matter what we are or who we are. And it's it's really that's awesome. Yeah. 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 That fatherly heart that he had towards Jesus extends to all of us because of Jesus. So that is so good. That's popping in the world, right? Yeah. Yeah. Marilyn, anything you want to add? It's gratefulness. Gratefulness. Yeah. When we know who we are, we can be more grateful than ever, right? Carol. Um, having been steeped in religion for many, many, many years, I found it very helpful to see the um little chart you have there on the right of the screen of contracting the Eastern Orthodox with the Western Evangelical. Um, because it, it just helps to to have something to go, oh, that's over there. That's what that's going on. That's what's going on. Oh, this is what's going on. And to just help clarify um, God's love and his unfailing love. And and he's not, he's, his love doesn't, he's not, it's not distorted. He's not going to love us only when. Or his love doesn't send us into, you know, kind of eternal punishment. That's not love. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and I guess that's just helpful to see that. Yeah. For me. Yeah. I'm going to step out of the screen for a minute because I put a book over there that I wanted to reference today for people. I need to go grab it. Part of this process that we're on is to begin to garner resources that we can share with each other to help break through any distorted mindsets and bring healing forth. So one of the books I would suggest to people called Delighting in the Trinity. And it was written by Michael Reeves. And it talks a lot about this concept of what we're just talking about today and then another one is is some of you've read but i if you haven't read it i would encourage you to read it and if you've read it i i would encourage you to read it again beyond an angry god by steve mcveigh steve in his book and uh, michael in his book begin to reorient away from the judicial god of the lightning bolt into more of this trinitarian i mean michael's book is a lot about the trinitarian perspective of god which has really been maintained in the eastern orthodox it's been somewhat given lip service in the western evangelical 
But then I'm also going to recommend a video series called The Ontology of God. The Ontology of God, it's a YouTube series. It's three parts by William Paul Young, who wrote The Shack. Excellent teaching. It's not only on the ontology of God, but he begins to release our understanding of who we are in relationship to God. So those are three resources that will show up in the outline. I just give them to you now. The, the video series is about four hours total, if yeah. you want to watch that. And, and, you know, it took me a while to be able to listen to, to Paul Young because it took me a while to shift out of, out of this Western view into the more Eastern view. And, I, and that's where you'll see Paul Young talks about more from an Eastern perspective. My, it's a, uh, yeah. Oh, right. My recent essay I'm doing, I wrote how I had called CPS on God. Ah, because of the Western yeah. view of it, like you would have to call CPS on that yeah. father. You like, would big time. Yeah, well, we need to lock him up. We need yeah. To... <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we got to use logical senses. Like, yeah. man, if this is not right, a real father, a earthly father, yeah. how can how can it be? How, yeah, yeah. I get that. That's good. I want to read it. Send it to, <laughs> send it to me. Still working on it. Okay, let me know when you're done. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's why I want to stop today, in part because. I have to go to South Haven and participate in some baptisms today for some people. Cannonballs? I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I, I just know I'm, I'm supposed to be there. There are 22 people being baptized today oh, cool. down there. So uh, I'll be, Greg and I are going down with Gary. But this is a lot to, to take in this week, but it is the foundation. God is love. In that love, God is good all the time. He's expressing that love in, towards us in ways that is designed to match our ways back up with who we are. That's where you find freedom to be you. That's where you find the, the righteousness, joy, and peace where you can then relax. That's where you find the fruit of the Spirit becoming part of your everyday life. And it's so good. It is so good. You all are so good. I want to thank you for being here. Thanks to Linda and Muriel and Stuart for joining us online. And thanks to everybody who will watch later. If you haven't read Beyond an Angry God, I, uh, I would strongly encourage that book. We have copies if you don't have one. And if you've got a copy and you haven't read it for a while, I've read this book four times and I'm about to read it for the fifth time. Because every time I get something new out of it. So that and about 17 other books I have on my shelf to read. I recommend too, like reading the mystics. The mystics? Okay. No, not that book. Like any of the mystics. Oh, the, like, okay. Just the oneness with God. Yeah. There's no punishment. Yeah. There's no, I don't know. It gets you in touch, I think. You know. So writings about the mystics are good to read as well. Yeah. Okay. I agree. <clears throat> You got any particular book or or link? Let me know. I'll stick good. it in the outline. The Healing Path by James Finley is pretty good right now. The Healing Path, James Finley. Let's write that down too. I'm not familiar with that one, but I will become familiar. The Healing Path. At this point, there's so many books out there. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs>
the whole purpose of the outline is a resource for people to, if someone asks a question or if they suddenly they have a question spring up in their heart, you got something, someplace to start because that's the hard part sometimes. Who's the author of James Finley? He was mentored by Thomas Merton. Okay. Okay. Mentored by Thomas. More of the Catholic tradition, but that's okay. He's all inclusive. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where we're going to stop today. Thank you all. You guys are all great. Ladies, you're awesome. Thumbs up. And thanks for being here. So, unless there's any last minute questions, we are going to stop the recording.